This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Good evening, morning, whatever time of day it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, I'm Cam. We are here with Flatting today and I have got a super special guest uh, on the show today with us, uh, the wonderful Kevin O'Reilly, who is my predecessor. But anyway, good morning, everyone. Uh, good, thank you for joining me uh, there, Kevin. So, it's a pleasure. Um, I, I heard rumours that you did my job uh, for many, many years. A long time. It was a, a vocation, long- <laughs> a vocation, like the priesthood, a vocation. <laughs> a, a long time. So, I guess, what got you started doing tenant advocacy work? Uh, well, I come from Belfast and, uh, you know, we had issues with housing. It's always been a, uh, an issue. It's always something I've been interested in. You know, like I said before, you know, I, you know, Belfast politics is a way of life. You know what I mean? It's a blood sport. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've always been interested in current affairs and housing in particular, you know, to help people who are just being turned away because they, you know, the wrong religion or the wrong colour or whatever, you know, they're too poor. I mean, I've... I've always had uh, empathy for the less well off, and I include myself a lot because I've been less well off than a lot of people, you know. Yeah. So, you're, I understand from a history around about 1983 Three. is when mm. you started. Yep. Yep. Um, so, you've been involved with, with housing for, you know, some centuries, several <laughs> years, uh, over the decades. What are some of the changes that you've seen? Like, what is in terms of, housing and and with the the system the social housing system oh things have improved immensely you know because we started believe it or not was at monetary tenant union it got uh, warrant of fitness off the ground you know decades ago because i used to have to go up to auckland and talk to various uh, housing groups up there and they were all amazed that uh, you know oh, that's a good idea you know what i mean and uh, so we started the warrant of fitness and that was mostly just to make sure houses were now it's health, but at that time it was mostly houses were fit to, you know, sort of live in. You know, some of them were substandard that were letting out because we used to go to houses here in Palmerston and student flats and some of the doors didn't close, the windows didn't open properly, you know. And I mean, it was just, it was dicey. I just, I was kind of stunned to realise that, you know, people could uh, rent something like that out. And, you know, and they were getting top dollar. It wasn't as if they were sort of doing charitable work, you know. Yeah. It was a business. And, uh, you know, the door was not, wasn't a lock on the door. The windows just just opened. There was nothing to close them, you know. And I just thought, nah, this is not on. And we started uh, doing a bit of investigation myself and found out it was quite common, you know. A lot, but a lot of the tenants, students, they were all kind of, yeah, 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 you know what I mean? They were trying, <laughs> which is good because they're footloose and fancy free, as it were, you know what I mean? Yes. It didn't bother them too much until they got robbed, <laughs> you know. <laughs> then it, it became an issue, you know, all their best gear was stolen, you know. So uh, we did that. The warrant of fitness. That took a long time, by the way. I wrote the prime ministers and ministers of housing, etc., etc. And uh, eventually, 
there was a, a Labour government, I think it actually started to make some moves on it, you know, they discussed it, you know, because I, I, I used to, same as yourself, you know, used to write lots of submissions about that issue and other issues in particular, you know. Yes, and I, and I guess it was probably more of a Labour government that really championed social housing. Oh, of course, housing. yeah, of course, yeah. Labour are, uh, you know, to me are the party of inclusion <laughs> and not yes. exclusion. I'm not a member of the Labour Party. Everybody thinks I'm sort of some kind of socialist and sort of <laughs> leaning. Part. I probably am left-leaning, but again, that was my politics, you know, from when I've I've never gotten some of the stuff that happened to people, you know, no Irish, no blacks, no dogs. Never forgotten that, you know. No. And, and it doesn't happen here, I know, but that's – you hear that and you just – you don't get angry but you think, right, this is just not on, you know. And we st- we took on the concert a few times, you know, because some of the concerts were – at that time were pretty, uh, you know, national party people really, you know, let's be honest, you know, <laughs> sort of right-leaning. And they wanted to sell the housing, you know, the, the public housing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, you know, they didn't realise the fact that sort of some of the houses were built to help students and uh, people, you know, new to the country and new to the city, you know. So we stopped that, you know, with petitions. It took a while, but eventually we done. We did that twice, by the way. Stopped them from selling it, you know what I mean? Because it was just – wasn't on. The people that they were trying to sort of, you know, say, oh, no, no, the private market could do a better job. And I just thought that's nonsense, you know. Because the national government, uh, under Bulger, I think it was, and John Loxton, who was the minister at the time of housing, you know, they they hired or brought in what they called the Business Round Table, who were, you know, they probably, I don't know if they're still in existence today, but they, they were, are. you know, Ron Trotter and people like that, you know, he's died, you know. <clears throat> but they were uh, brought in these American academics who came in, <clears throat> pardon me, and they recommended, uh, you know, selling 50,000 state houses. You know, keep 10, because there were 60, 60, just maybe 61 uh, uh, state houses in the country. And they said, sell 50 <coughs> and keep the 10 for emergency accommodation. You know, <coughs> excuse me, I've got a cold. That's all right, that's all right. And uh, we just thought, no, that's not on. Most of those houses, they sold, I think the national government, they sold 33,000. You know, they brought in under Macaulay, I think it was the minister at the time, it was uh, another national person. And... Uh, they sold them, I think they sold about 33, and they called it Tenants' Right to Buy. Yes. 92% of those houses were bought by private landlords, the private sector. Only 8% of the sitting tenants could actually afford the deposit to actually buy one. And we had heard, well, at the time, it, uh, I heard it, it was, uh, you know, tenants were paying $16,000 more than the you know, landlords. It's hard to prove, but I had, at that time, because I've been around a long time, as you mentioned, I had a lot of people I knew in the Beehive, you know, you know, yeah. who were working for various ministers, whether they were Labour or National, was neither here, but, and they used to give me lots of, uh, you know, information, you know, send me up sort of papers, you know, fax stuff up to me about, you know, discussion documents, et cetera, et cetera. And so we stopped that, you know, but it was uh, no mean feat. I used to stand in the square outside the old post office, you know, getting people, a lot of people supported it to give, you, you know, give them credit. You know, it was just the odd sort of person who would be sort of, you know, anti the whole thing. You thought, oh, no, no. But they obviously didn't live in a state house or rented a house themselves, you know, because we always believed in, like, you know, 
it's all about social power. Landlords have that control. They have an asset. <coughs> they never sort of admit that, but they have an asset. You know, they're but they do. Yeah, they have an asset. And uh, so, but the tenants don't. You know what I mean? So, not all tenants are good. I understand that. I've come across really some bad people. If I was a landlord or whatever, I'd be really annoyed with them. And, if, and I would be trying to get them out as well because they were just damaging the property or else we weren't paying the rent when I was struggling. You actually pay the mortgage or something like that. You yeah. Know? Um, we stopped the council. They also wanted to sell. Again, it's the same national people in the council. The councillors uh, want to get rid of the pensioner housing. No, no, no. Somebody else can do that. No, they can do it better. I mean, it's all this. They can do it better. And I, I just, that used to rile me, as you can tell, by the tone of my voice, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we stopped that, you know, sort of. Uh, that's not arrogant to say that. But we, we made that an issue, and that they actually, you know, they didn't. Uh, they, might, they just. They just moved away from it. But in the pension houses, you know, people were scared because I walked around every uh, steered house when I was doing the stuff for the <coughs> the stop steered house tenants, and I also did the same for every uh, council house and pension house. I mean, I used to spend my days walking around <coughs> with a petition, and you know, people said, and some people weren't even aware of it. That's what, that's why I found it was amazing. They weren't just for oh, nobody told me that, you know. I said, well, take my word for it, pal. It's <laughs> on the agenda. You know, they're going to be talking about that in another couple of weeks. You know. So we we've had a we've had a and I'm looking at it over the time because I mean that we call it a housing crisis at the moment and I don't think it's a housing crisis I think it's a systemic sustained systemic housing problem mm. um, but obviously yeah, like a couple of de- in, in the fifties and, and etc there was a, there was a housing problem as a housing crisis yeah. then <clears throat> and there's a housing crisis now what would do you you know do you would you have any sort of Knowledge or idea on, on if you think there's similarities between the two crises or differences? Uh, not so much because up until well after the war, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you know, in the fifties and sixties, <clears throat> there was an, sort of a unwritten agreement that both main parties supported public housing. It was only once uh, you know the, the Labour government uh, under Roger Douglas started to you know take an interest in selling them you know this sort of you know what I call the vulture capitalists you know, yeah. <coughs> wanted to uh, sell everything <coughs> and uh, you know and then national became a lot more hardline you know what I mean the sort of you know it was just uh, the free market can do it better than the, the private sector and the government etc cetera, etc cetera. but up until then I thought most you know I think Muldoon when he was the prime minister he's the one that started the make a bit of a move in that but it was very small but most people sort of uh, most parties I think supported uh, public housing and it's funny you say that because you mean you mentioned that 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 Labour Party around that whole you know 1980s yes and that, I, I guess that's kind of the start of the the downfall of that whole Labour Party movement it when, was, it, yeah. when it crashed and then following that you had Roger you know Rogernomics was the, yep. the terrible um for the and it and it's kind of was the Labour Party's undoing, and they've mm-hmm. since re, rebranded uh, and and regrouped and kind of started to take more of a, a focus. The only party is building houses, you know. Yeah, National didn't do any because uh, the Bulger government under Lux, and like I said, they brought in market rents for state houses. They that's a time, and I remember particularly well because there was lots of people just left Palmerston, Piatu, Woodville, Dannyburg you know, and smaller uh, settlements just because they just couldn't afford to, to live there. You know, they couldn't afford to pay the rent. <clears throat> the rent, the house was, wasn't improved in any way or form. It was just uh, the rents went up and that was it. And it caused a lot of stress and anger among uh, 
particularly uh, mostly single women, you know, or single parents and uh, their children. And also it completely disrupted the whole upset. You know, kids move from school to school, you know, and I just kept thinking, hey, pal, this is kind of, we're just building up sort of social problems for the future here, you know. Yes. No, well, no, and it's funny you, funny you mention that because, I mean, I moved around a lot, you know, with my parents uh, farming mm. uh, as growing up. And uh, there, is a, there is a lot to be said about that whole that social disruption yeah. um, of not having a, a stable, stable house and stable place to go. And, and you mentioned the market rent, and that's one of the frustrating things I have now doing, doing your role is that yeah. the market rents now are just out of control, but there's nothing – it's not very clear. Like if you look at the Residential Tenancies Act and it says how they calculate market rent, mm. it makes no sense to anybody. I, yep. I can't <clears throat> fathom how you make market rent. So, I mean, in your, in your view, how would you make that system more – if we got rid of market rent, mm. how, would you, how would you think we should work out what rent is? Uh, I just the accommodation supplement obviously helps. But uh, that's a good question because I really don't have an answer for that, to be honest with you. Um, and it's and then something I've I've struggled with in terms of talking about yeah. with, with people because it's about how you how a fair rent basically is what or also rent freeze like they have in many other countries you know even New York City the, the home of uh, you know vulture capitalists <laughs> they have uh, you know market rents there for a lot of uh, you know publicly owned housing you know and I think they should do that it should be income based you know the whole thing should be based on income you know. I mean, that's just what I said, you know, sort of people paying up to, I don't know what it, what it is now, but at one time people were paying after that, the market rents thing. I mean, people are up to, you know, 30 and 40% of their income. I think you know? it's a lot more. I mean, just to it's give ridiculous. you an idea, um, in February, the, I, got, I got a copy of the February edition of the Property Investors Guide, mm. which has all the market rents. And the market rent ranges from a two, $320 for a two-bedroom flat in the hospital yeah. area up to $650 for a, an upper Hokefidu, you know, four-bedroom townhouse. Yeah. And it just – that range is absolutely huge. And if you're talking to that six fifty fifty mark, there aren't many families earning, no, you know, that sort of income. No, and that's at least 50, 60 – actually more than half of their income just to put a roof over their head and their children, you know. It's just – it's scandalous. Like I said, like the income real rents, it should be – it is with uh, state housing, but it should be brought across into the private sector as well. Yes, know? I mean, I mean, I've, I've had a chat with, uh, um, you know, Daniel who works in our, our office and our listeners will – We'll speak to them at, at, at him at various times. It's about you know having it linked to maybe thirty percent of the living wage, or, yeah, or, or was yeah. it? So there is a fair calculation and a fair standard for everybody. Yeah. Um, because yes, just because you're you know you're you may be earning a well-to-do job doesn't necessarily mean you're in a well-to-do accommodation. Yep. Um, and what I've seen is a lot is there's still no link between market rent and the condition of the properties, mm. um, which it seems to be really frustrating for me is that you still have well, – still, we still have situations of the, the disrepair that you yeah, you yeah, talked substandard about. Housing, yeah. Substandard housing, getting you know $600 a week for mm. that. I know. Really, I wouldn't let my cat live in. <laughs> yeah, we used to tell tenants, you know, the first thing you do is uh, you move, you take photographs of the property, you know, because sometimes you've got no choice. And yeah. I said, but you move in, you take photographs of, you know, cracks in the wall, marks, you know, painting, you know, just, you know, untidiness or whatever, you know. 
if it's damaged in any way, just take photographs of that and just hold on to them. You know, so when you come to move on and, you you know, they try to hit you up with, oh, you did this, you did that, you know, you've got proof you didn't, you know. So that gets really, that was always, and people used to do that and used to be thankful that, you know, very simple and so straightforward, but they did it, you know, just go click, click. You know, I said, even the house is in good nick, just take it, you know, marks in the carpet, click, so you don't get done for, oh, no, I've got a good new carpet, you know, because I've come across some, Really scandalous landlords, you know, who just didn't give a toss, really, you know, about their tenants. All they yes. wanted was the money. They weren't interested in repairs, et cetera, et cetera. Like I said, it all boils down to social control, you know. It, it, well, it is. And what people what people forget is that uh, I have an accounting background. Um, so I've done a bit of academic study in, towards uh, becoming an accountant. And so I've done a few accounting papers and, and management papers and, and around finance and stuff. And what people forget is that, these properties that owners own, they own multiple properties. Yep. It's an investment yep. and it's an asset to them for their for their wealth, yeah. but it's also an income stream. So yep. it, it always amazes me how many landlords don't maintain their assets and their income know, stream. It makes no sense. I know. That's what I <laughs> used to say to some of them as well. Like, you know what I mean? Eventually you're going to probably move on and sell this. You know, you want to get as many as much as you possibly can for it, you know. But that's the old, oh, that's mum and dad stuff. I've, I've never ever had a, you know, an argument about that. You know, but that, that is, it's quite true, no doubt. You know, people only own one or two properties uh, and we don't have the large Landlords that they have in Europe, you know, where I'm from, you know, yes. some guys own a lot or companies own quite a serious amount of housing, you know. But most of them actually do keep them in some sort of order, you know. It's in their interest, you know what I mean? I used to say to the landlord, you, you get good tenants and you got a reasonable and a fair rent. Those people look after your property. I mean, that's your asset. It's not, they're not going to be damaging it or doing anything. It's, yes. You're going to be the beneficiary at the end of the day when these, these people <laughs> move on. Because we used to get tenants like that who, you, uh, <clears throat> the landlord would, do, they decided that they moved on, either had to leave town or, you know, job vacancy somewhere else and went down to Wellington or up north. And the, the landlord would go to war with them. You know, you know, and they couldn't understand it. And this is because you looked after the property and you were good tenants. There was never an issue, you know. But yeah. suddenly you're going to have to, you know, you've, you're moving on. And they don't know who they're going to get. So they're really pissed off that this has happened to them, <laughs> you know. And that, that's, I really truly believe that, you know, because they were just, you know, they looked after the property and they maintained it. And they sort of, the rent was paid. It was never an issue until they decided, to, you know, they, no, I'm sorry, I have to give you three weeks notice. We're moving up north or whatever. You know, I've got a job up there, you know. And then all hell on earth. And I could never understand landlords for that reason, you know, with sort of people coming and going. And I thought, well, you know, when there's a cost to your landlord, you know, just to get people coming and going all the time, yes. you know, like advertisement and hiring property managers who are, uh, that's another thing that we're hoping will change. Uh, yes. We've been doing that for years is that we think they should be registered. We've, we've said that years and years ago because some of the property managers are just, they really do have power and control over people's lives. I've heard them say, you know, to people, if you don't do what you're told, you know, you're gone. You know what yes. I mean? There's no rhyme or reason. Text messages, you know, like there'll be a, you know, a day late on the rent and they get in a text message saying you're in rent arrears all the time. Yeah. And, it, and there's no actual... Yes, they are technically in rent arrears, yeah. but it might be because they get paid on a Tuesday yeah, and, yeah. and the rent is due on a Monday. Yeah, exactly. They're always paying their rent, yeah. but that constant bombardment yeah. of that little passive-aggressive bullying tactic yeah. 
can wear people down and it's, it's got to it stop. It does wear people down. And it's a fear factor. You know, people sort of don't understand that. You know, the tenants really because they're in a position where they, they want to stay there and the rent is something that they basically can afford at present, you know. Yes. And uh, they just get scared because some of the property managers and I'm thinking of two or three people, don't worry, I won't mention them, you know, who just were, uh, you know, they just were really, they weren't nice people, you know. And there was three to say, oh, no, this, I got my job to do, you know. Cause we used to call in some people in, that, you know, some of the problems. They'd come in and on their finger along the, you know, the windowsill or on a table. Oh, look, it's just dirty, you know, dust. And I was just stunned, you know. Yeah. Beyond, then all the people said, oh, no, no, the insurance companies make, that's what their excuse was the insurance, you know. And I thought, this is just scandalous, you know what I mean? Everybody who lives in the house where dust accumulates <laughs> and there's a bit of, you know, stuff landing on the floor, kids' clothing and stuff like that. It's not actual damage, all right? It's just untidy, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know and you're not living there. They are, but then the, the place is looked after pretty well, uh, you know? You know, lawns are mowed, you know? Yes. You know? <laughs> but they do, they pick... Uh, They've just got, they always think they have too much power. And hopefully, hopefully one day, they're talking about it now, that there will be some sort of regulation. And I think a lot of property managers themselves want that to happen because they know that there's some not-so-nice not people out there and they have to have some rules and regulations where they can't come down and scare the shit out of people, you know? Yes, and that's been, been my an interesting observation. I know, so I come, I bring, come from an employment relations background where the entire framework of the Employment Relations Act is uh, good faith, you know, yeah. which sets out that, yeah. that all parties will behave in a manner that is respectable and decent to others. And, and there's a few rules that they have to follow, but there's nothing in the, the Residential Tenancies Act or any other legislation that says you will act in good faith. So there's never, you know, a, a, there's not a very clear rule on the behaviour from from paid people like the agent or mm. the landlord on yeah. how they have to behave and interact. And that's what I think needed to bring that balance back. Yeah. Um, so they've made always made a lot of changes to the residential tenancy over the years. I feel like it's a, depending on which government's in place, depends on, yeah. on, on the changes. But is there anything key within the, the Act at the moment that you would like to see changed or, or fixed that you think should should have been dealt with but maybe hasn't? I just think it's just the, the property manager side of things and like you say, uh, you know, being able to talk to the landlord and try to level out a little bit to sit on the same plane. But there is, things have improved a lot. There's no two ways about that from the dark days, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And you're more up to the play than I am because I haven't been involved with the tenants union for a number of years and I'm kind of out of touch, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, you know. But I, I just think that, uh, yeah, the rents are the thing. I'm all for sort of rent freezes, you know yes. what I mean? I know that's kind of, you know. Well, well, they are. I mean, I, I see, I'm still seeing cases now where people have gone from, you know, two hundred paying $250 a week, uh, which is, you know, quite a reasonable rent, to now paying market rent. Yep. Um, because with COVID, there was rent freezes put on over mm. COVID. Now that that's kind of, we're at the end tail of that, mm. market rents are going up. And people are going from, you know, 250 a week to now suddenly $580. Yeah. And people just can't sustain that increase. I know. I'm sort of, was a bit of that myself when I got a... I wasn't working with a tenant union at the time I'd retired and uh, some guy rang me that still thought I was involved, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, they went, they went up from 200. They'd been there for a long time, apparently. You know, I sort of asked them a few questions and it went from 200 up to about 400 and, you know, their income just couldn't 
cope with that. It's as simple as that, you know. And all this argument, oh, no, you go down to the winds and they'll give you the money. I mean, they just think winds is a bank or something. I said, they get a certain amount, yes, but there is a limit to it. All right, just get that through your head. And, and this is, I think, one of the things that, that property owners and, and people who own investment properties forget is that it's still the taxpayers that are funding that system. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, you can send them down to work it in here to get more money, but it simply is just a, a, a cost to the taxpayers, as those who are paying taxes are simply paying the increase funding mm. through accommodation supplements or an increased benefits. So, mm. actually, you're just taking from the taxpayers to, to yep. basically profit yourself. Exactly. Uh, which is just, in my mind, she agreed for no apparent reason. I found that to be the, the case with a number of them because I can think of two or three landlords as we speak, you know, who were just abysmal. You know what I mean? They were, you know, had struggled to think that they were human beings. You know, they had absolutely no empathy whatsoever about the situation. I'm not saying they should you know, have that free, you know, but some of the, the rent increases and the conditions that they put on some of the properties were just, you know, ridiculous. And they used to keep turning up, you know, saying, no, they can't do that. You know, they can do property inspections, but they can't just walk into your house whenever the down will feel <laughs> like it. You know what I mean? It's your home. Yes. At the end of the day, when you own it and you rent it, it's your home. Yes. You never, ever forget that. You know, so so one of my my uh, challenges is about um, organising tenants out there uh, with my job, and I and I feel like uh, we need to go back to the days of the good old fashioned megaphone and yeah, yeah. and rel- actual on the ground rallying <coughs> of of tenants because I think yeah. if we if we don't do that, there's, we're going to have this still disconnect between yeah. um, tenants. I mean, we're lucky that now. Uh, uh, Housing New Zealand or Karangaora, uh, who now are one of the biggest um, property owners, but there's still so many individual landlords mm. who own one or two properties, mm. um, and I, th- I don't think there's any way to really track track date and who mm. who they're in or who's in them. So I feel that we need to do the whole on the ground megaphone. Uh, rallying. So are there any sort of rallying tips you have for getting people <coughs> no, riled up? No, a long time up? ago we had what we called Shipleyville, based in Herbertville in America way back in the 30s. And all these people, it really surprised me actually. I thought we'd have Shipleyville, you know, a few placards. People arrived in tents yeah. and they stayed overnight in the square. It was amazing. You know what I mean? It, I don't know if it changed a lot politically, but it actually highlighted the issue, you know, that it opened people's eyes that there was a problem out there, you know. They weren't all kind of activists who were just bored and wanted to, you know, rattle the place out, up a bit, you know. But it worked. It was Shipleyville. You know, we took over the square, the whole square, you know. And when people stayed the night, like I said, they arrived in tents and all sorts of people, all from all back. A lot of groups I'd never even heard of, you know, they all yeah. turned up. And uh, I think I had to speak for a short period of time. But it was, we didn't actually have to do that. People knew why you were there, you know what yes. I mean? And all we needed, the most important thing was to get the press, you know, get the media involved. And they did, took photographs of a lot of people, you know, various, people from various backgrounds. And some of them were kind of, not so much respectable, but the people you never expected, you know, to be on your side, but you never expected them to actually take part. And they did. It was just, it was amazing. That was Shipleyville. I think you, should, something, you should give that a bit of a, a thought sometime. No, you know, not coming into winter, obviously, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was Shipleyville. And it really, uh, I was, like I said, it was, I was astonished, you know, the, the number of people that turned up. There wasn't hundreds and hundreds, yes, but there was a lot more people than I thought. I thought it was just a, a few placards standing there in the square, you know. 
people came in tents, stayed the night. Except, but it was not dissimilar to that protest in Wellington a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know, except there was not the violence or controlled and of, managed. Yes, trend. it was kind of controlled. <laughs> yeah, most people were there for one reason, that one purpose, and that was it. You know, because of uh, Shipley was actually selling more and more houses. You know, and they're sort of alienating a lot of the working class tenants. You know, and for the students it. got involved. You know, they were a very important part of it in the student population. Well, they have, and it still astounds me to this day that, you know, some of the some of my student friends and some of the student accommodation that they they live in, and you, you mentioned about, you know, the, the windows not locking. Yeah, that still yeah. happens to students, and students, I yeah. think, just go, people just go, oh, well, it's students, so they should be okay with that. And then I'm also amazed that some students go, yeah, this is the accommodation we live in. And it's just, just yeah, it's a accepted, bit of a disconnect. You know? Yeah, it's acceptable. It's part of being a student, you know. Um, no. I know. It's not. <laughs> that's what I used to say. It's not. I said, you're paying top dollar here. It's not as if you're paying a peppercorn rent. You can maybe, so that balances out. But you're not paying a peppercorn rent. You're paying, you know, top dollar. And, some and of the these... place should be fit to live in. You know, I was just, like, I, I could go on for all, but I was just, I was astounded at some of the properties I used to in some cases, we actually got property shut down in, oh, I'm trying to think, Campbell Street, Arrow Street. And yeah. Yeah, but that side of town, the student sort of area, you know. We got them, uh, Oxford Street and places like that. We got, uh, we got the health inspectors. I don't know if they still operate, but we used to get the health inspectors at the council to come around. And uh, they would they say, look at this. And the hot, some properties were just shut down. You know, and they, but sort of the students have said, you know, you've got to try and start looking out for stay with your mates until this is done. And the, some of the properties were out for quite a while while the owner actually got down to, got around to actually what he had to do or she had to do, you know. Yeah. And that was the thing, you know, it was all kind of like it was men. I used to be <clears throat> quite a surprise. Now, we're women with their own properties and, you know, hearts of stone, you know what I mean? I was just amazed. Everything, all oh, women, blah, 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 rock the cradle around the world. And I thought, now some of the women I've met, not all of them, but they really are hard, you know. They yeah. Just, they just don't have any empathy or connection whatsoever with these people. You know, they're just sort of, uh, you know, money machines and two legs, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. And, and on that note, Kevin, that is all I have time for. Okay. You have oh, filled wow. up my our half hour slow. So I want to thank you for coming along and talking about uh, housing and your, your experience of the many years of working in... Uh, and what we do for advocating for tenants. So just yeah, to remind it's, everybody to... It's all about a fair goal, Cameron. That fair goal. That's all people want is a fair goal. Fair goal. And, 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 the, and, and you know, to be heard and to be mm. listened to. So. Yeah, and they actually sort the problem out. They don't expect the landlord to, you know, sort of fix everything right away, but they actually expect it to be, you know, uh, rectified at some stage, you know? Yes. Because the rents that they charge are kind of, like you mentioned earlier, you know, up the 800. I mean, just scandalous. You know, I just, I don't know how people actually manage to be perfectly honest with you, you know. And it's, we're just building up more and more properties. Like I said, po- po- uh, poverty, you know, it's just, it's, that's going on. And those people are, you know, similar to me, they probably won't end up with a grudge, but they will remember, you know, yes. the sort of, uh, you know, I remember him or I remember her, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, just, that's not good. And all you people want to make, a, you know, a dollar, that's okay. But, you know, there's a difference between a dollar and actually ripping people completely off. And like you mentioned, it's an actual cost to the, you know, the taxpayers are paying for it. Like I mentioned earlier, hundreds and hundreds of people were moved when the market rents for state housing came in, you know what I mean? They just couldn't afford to live there. And not just, you know, 
I was uh, taxpayers pay for that, you know, landlords included. You know <laughs> what I mean? But all they all I saw was, you know, uh, you know, increase the value more. Just greed. At the end of the day, it was just pure and utter greed. There was no kind of uh, empathy, like I'm doing something for the, you know, uh, the city or you know the church or whatever. It was just it was just greed. You know, at the end of the day, and I had problems with them saying that they all thought they were doing charitable work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, was, okay, that's great. And you've got that attitude. Lower your rent. You know, <laughs> you know what, yeah, I mean? yeah. you, what you're charging is way beyond the the means of these people. You know. Anyway, fantastic. I'd like to go. Sorry for that, talking. That's so long. all right. I look forward to uh, picking your brains and and another another stage for another another interview. But thank you for coming along today, Kevin. Much appreciated. I oh, know I'm more than happy to do that. Really? You know because I mean? housing is not going to go away. You know <clears throat> the problem, but it's universal. It's not. You know, people talk about the problems in New Zealand about homelessness, but. Uh, I read quite a lot about what goes on in other countries and we're no different. You know, like I said, it's all this pursuit of vulture capitalism, all these people <laughs> that, you know, sort of, uh, you know, they have and have not. Call it what you want. Hello, everybody out there. Stay safe, keep warm, and thank you very much for listening. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.